0: Guys, welcome back to the J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. How's it
1: going, everybody?
0: We have an action-packed week. I am so excited for this episode. We're going to start off here with college football. Some crazy stuff went down last week. We kind of are seeing now the top ten mess itself out a little bit, Jackson. What are your biggest
1: takeaways from last week? Um, biggest takeaways... well one of them is Michigan did you see that score against Rutgers I mean not to give them too much credit because Rutgers has really been terrible this season losing 58 to 0 to Ohio State and then 78 to 0 to Michigan Um, but that just proves that Michigan can put it on any team they did it with their second string another big takeaway was Washington the Huskies doing it week after week they put up Big numbers on Stanford last week. This week, they put up 70, 70 points on the Oregon Ducks. Oregon looks terrible, but Washington looks good. Last, lastly, that Houston loss against Navy. Navy's only got one loss, but this looks bad for Houston, who everyone, everyone is really high on going into this season and throughout the first six games up until this point.
0: The problem I have, though, with the Navy loss, everyone's going to be like, oh, my goodness, how did Tom Herman lose this game? You have to understand Navy runs a triple option. It is the hardest offense to stop when you have only a week to prepare. Ohio State two years ago when they won the national championship faced off against Navy opening week. They had an entire offseason prepared for that, and they still almost lost that game. You can watch as much tape as possible, but when you get on the field, especially in the wet conditions, they had Hurricane Matthew come up the coast, and it was a super rainy game, and it made sense for Navy to run the ball even more than they have. Houston, they could do it both on the air grade and on the ground, and they had to stick to the ground for more than what they wanted to. Navy got out ahead in the second half, and they never looked back. Huge win for the Navy. Shipman. I wouldn't hold that loss too heavy on Houston. They come back later this season, and they end up pretty well. They end up facing Louisville that second to last week. Louisville is still with that one loss, ranked 7 right now in the AP. We'll see when the first BCS – or excuse me, the college football playoff rankings come out. We'll see how high they are because if Clemson keeps winning – That Louisville one loss is going to be very, very nice in the voters' eyes.
1: That's right, and I was really looking forward to this being two undefeated teams going up against each other at the end of the year. And it doesn't look like it's going to be that way, but the way things are shaping out, I could see a one- or two-loss team easily making their way into the college football playoffs. I think that game, late in the season, is a big game that everyone needs to watch out for because I still think that either the Cardinals or the Cougars are making it into the college football playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, that game's going to have college game day at it for sure. Another takeaway I had was that Tennessee Volunteers in the SEC East, finally the magic ran out on them. Very late in the game, they had a great comeback, an unbelievable one against Texas A&M, forced overtime, and in the first play of double overtime, throwing an interception there, uh, ruining that perfect season so far for the Volunteers. Also, late on Saturday night, I don't know if you saw the Florida State-Miami game. Miami came all the way back, tied, or Excuse me, had a chance to tie it with an extra point, and had the extra point blocked. I don't think I've seen that in a long time where the extra point is just a chip shot, can't get it over his offensive lineman, and uh, Florida State shocked the world in that one. I don't know where to put Florida State.
1: Well, I think this matchup was just another example of being having been there. Like, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like Clemson and Louisville uh, when that game happened. I think Louisville is the better team in that matchup. I think Miami is the better team in this matchup. I say you put Miami against Florida State and they win eight out of ten times. And uh, I just think they haven't been there yet. Brad Kaya is an insanely good, insanely athletic quarterback that can really lead this Miami team very far. I think Florida State's going to be one of those teams this year that can win every game and they could lose every game with their talent. I think Miami's going to get a little chip on their shoulder after this loss and they're they're going to win out.
0: I'm going to look at one game that happened at noon on Saturday. That's the Red River Red River rivalry, excuse me, against Oklahoma and Texas. Charlie Strong is on the hot seat as ever getting beat I mean, I, the 5-point loss isn't bad, but Oklahoma put up 45 Points on the Texas defense. Charlie Strong's supposed to be a defensive minded coach. He's given up forty seven to Notre Dame. He's given up fifty to Cal, forty-nine to Oklahoma State, and now forty-five to Oklahoma. He's got to get a turnaround. He's two and three right now. I say by the end of the season he's fired and done there.
1: Well, I can definitely see that if you just look at this score from what Texas has been the past few years, I'd say this is a good game for them. They sit at two and three. They were 2-0
0: and to start the year. They beat Notre Dame. They, they carried him off the field. They put him on the shoulders, Charlie Strong. I, they beat UTEP, and then they get beat by Cal and Pac-12 at night then get absolutely murdered at Oklahoma State. And then the Red River rivalry in uh, the Cotton Bowl, they get beat 45-40, to and they were coming back the whole second half. They were down.
1: That's true, but you look at who Oklahoma is, and you look at how they were in the college football playoffs last year, and and you were saying even last week how they could be a very good team to look out for this year. Putting up 40 points on this Oklahoma team, I don't know if that's a statement against Oklahoma or against Tech or – Or what? I mean, I I think this is a good performance for the Longhorns. Um, Charlie Strong, I could see him being fired. But
0: good performances can't get you somewhere at a great program like Texas. They're not great right now, but having that Texas name on your logo, on your jersey, that stands out ridiculously higher than it would for Iowa State or losing a cow. Cow hasn't been good for years in football since Aaron Rodgers.
1: No, that's true. I mean, I Texas has been struggling through the past five years or so ever since Colt McCoy was there. Really, yeah, oh nine. But if you look at all these free agent coaches, Charlie Strong's out of there. Well, who's who's in?
0: Okay, so here's what I have. I've got a couple programs to keep an eye out and a couple coaches from those programs that should get big name coaching jobs somewhere else. Just has not fit as it has. In their place, they've been for a couple years. Number one, I've got Notre Dame. I've got Chip, or yeah, excuse me, Kelly. Um, he's going to be fired by the end of the year. Notre Dame is not playing well. They just lost to uh, North Carolina State, ten or thirteen to three, I believe it was the final score. He's going to be on his way out. So Notre Dame's going to have an opening. Charlie Strong's going to be out in Texas. Les Miles is already out in LSU. I think USC's head coach. Uh, Coaching job is going to open up very soon. And also, keep an eye out on Oregon. Mark Helfrich, you just named it earlier how Oregon got beat so bad. It was all Chip Kelly's guys before he came in. Chip Kelly went to the NFL. Mark Helfrich took over two years ago. He had Marcus Mariota in that loaded offense. Took him all the way to the national championship, the first ever final college football playoff championship, and got absolutely manhandled by Ohio State. It has never been the same since. Last year, thought they could turn around, did not get the thing going, get the train going at all. And then this year, the defense looks absolutely pitiful. What I have a problem is, is if you're Oregon, you're based in literally middle of nowhere, Eugene, northwest part of uh, the United States, you have Phil Knight, unloading money into your program a hundred million dollars coming its way to Oregon football Oregon sports you're paying him three million dollars why aren't you going out and trying to get the best coach possible and giving him seven to ten million dollars and saying you know what this is a money-making sport give him all the money you can not to Mark Helfridge but someone else after this year I'm looking at you can get Kelly from Notre Dame he is a winner he doesn't have the players What's at Notre Dame. What's his
1: problem at Notre Dame? Why can't he recruit like he did at Oregon?
0: It's hard. You have to get very smart kids to go to Notre Dame, and it's not the same as a big-name school, say, in Alabama, where everything revolves around you. Notre Dame's panel is the large part of the United States. It's not just Indiana rooting for Notre Dame. You have the NBC network, so you can be in California watch Notre Dame fighting Irish play on every Saturday. So, it worked out in the beginning because he left Cincinnati from a small-time, at the time, Big 12 school. Then they went to Independent, who plays everybody with a good schedule, and got his recruits, and they won the games against the mediocre opponents they played. It just isn't working out now. The the quarterback play is not up to standard with Kaiser if he goes somewhere else and starts fresh, I think he, he, he blossoms into what he can be, Kelly, and what it was a couple of years ago when they were going to BCS Bowl games after BCS Bowl games. Uh, and also, I would expect Les Miles possibly to leave LSU and go up north, maybe to Notre Dame, and then you have to look out for Tom Herman leaving Houston and going to Texas.
1: I think it would be smart for Tom Herman to leave Houston and go to Texas. You can only do so much with this. with what he's given at houston and he would be welcomed with open arms to texas texas fans would love to have him there to get the longhorns back on top getting them to go to national championships bcs bowl games make the college football playoffs like they used to and uh i think that would be a good move for tom herman um get away from get away from that non-power five conference program
0: Oh, I mean, absolutely. Tom Herman's a winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner. Charlie Strong's been at Texas for a couple years. Two years ago, they finished six and seven. Last year, they finished five and seven. Now they're two and three. That is not what you want to see from a Texas Longhorn football squad. Tom Herman went to Houston after he won the national championship with Ohio State and had the bar set as okay, we're going to give you a couple years. We'll see how it works out. He blew the roof off the program. Last year, making them go to a New Year's Six bowl game. End up beating Florida State, a team who was in the Final Four the year before, and a national champion the year before that, blowing them out of the water. So everyone's like, okay, Houston's the real deal this year. We'll see how good they are after they play Oklahoma, who was in the Final Four last year. And then they beat them down week one. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, this guy's the real deal, Tom Herman. Every single big-name Power Five conference head coaching job available has been probably calling him for the last several weeks trying to get him to go. He just signed a long extension with uh, Houston. Houston playing it the smart way, realizing what kind of gem they have on the offensive juggernaut that Tom Herman is. But I would not be surprised if he goes to Texas where he will have another year or two if he goes there to mature his offense and see where his defense can take him because obviously right now the Longhorns are – miles behind the Houston Cougars which is an unbelievable statement to say a team from the American Conference is better than one of the best teams or biggest names excuse me ever in college football
1: that's right and I saw a stat um just last year at the end of the year and in the state of Texas the great state of Texas with the best high school football programs in the entire country they've got the best recruits Texas is fourth on the yep. list of five with those recruits. They used to be number one. They were number one for for so long and now they're number four and Houston is right behind them. Houston's battling them for that position right there. They're behind no no no, I'm sorry. Houston is in front of yeah, them. It's Houston Texas Tech be. behind them. Yep. Texas Tech. Are you kidding me? They're battling with Texas Tech for that last spot. That's ridiculous. Texas needs to turn their program around. Charlie Strong. Yeah, you've convinced me. He's out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it will be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Charlie Strong figures out a place to go. I would not be surprised if he decides to go to the either Pac-12 where the offenses are still big but his defense can work and he can get recruits to go to Oregon. Uh, just playing in Texas is too big for him, I think. I think the job was too big leaving him from Louisville to go there. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to give you some scenarios in the major conferences. I'm going to give you right now who would be in the championship game for each conference, and you tell me who you have and why. In the ACC right now, Clemson is 3-0. NC State is 1-0 in the Atlantic Division. Uh, We'll take Clemson ahead just because they're the only undefeated team right now. And right now, Virginia Tech is 2-0 in the Coastal. If they had a play right now, Clemson versus Virginia Tech, who was surprising a lot of people, I don't know if you saw that score last week against North Carolina, Virginia Tech put up, who would you have?
1: Well, I've got Clemson in that game. I mean, Virginia Tech is on a little bit of a a high rise right now off of uh, winning that game last week against North Carolina. And if you see the way North Carolina has played, if you saw how they played against Georgia, who has not been doing too well, that, that big win still isn't there for Virginia Tech, and I think that they're on a team on the rise since uh, Frank Beamer left. But um, Clemson's been there before. They're still a better team. I've got Clemson winning big in that game.
0: Yeah, last week, Virginia Tech, who was ranked 25th at the time, ended up routing North Carolina at home in North Carolina 34-3. That is a butt-whooping right there from a Virginia Tech Hokie team who hasn't had any – Say in college football since they beat Ohio State two years ago when Ohio State snuck into the final four and everyone's like they lost to Virginia Tech who was a terrible team. I'm I'm excited for Virginia Tech to be back and, and playing well. Uh, looking at the Big 12, this is where all the question marks are at. There are only two teams left that have a legitimate shot in making that college football final four. Baylor is five and zero, two and zero in the conference. And then West Virginia is quietly sitting at 4-0 and 1-0 in the conference. They won 17-16 the other week. Um, very ugly play in the Big 12. Obviously, Oklahoma is sitting there as well, but they are have one loss. Uh, they excuse me, two losses. They're 2-0 in the Big 12. Who is going to win that Big 12 at the end of the year? They have no conference championship game because they don't have enough teams, but who do you have winning?
1: Well, this is tricky. I mean, it could come out in a lot of different ways. It's so surprising to me that Baylor and West Virginia are the two top teams in the Big 12 right now. I'm just waiting for that West Virginia loss to come. I think it's going to come against Oklahoma. I I don't want to say that, but um, they just haven't faced true competition yet. I mean, playing playing in the Big 12, you're not going to get that until you face teams like Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to be that team. Their mentality now the rest of the season is just to knock teams out they want that they live for that they're going to live to knock this undefeated West Virginia team off and um, the same sort of thing goes with Baylor if Baylor and West Virginia end up playing each other we'll we'll have to see they're both teams that should not be undefeated at this point no one would have guessed that they would have been um, I don't know I'll throw one out there and just say West Virginia
0: I mean I'm looking at the West Virginia schedule so far they beat Missouri week one that's an SEC opponent, so you have to tip their caps to that. Then they beat Youngstown State. Won't even acknowledge that as a good win. But they beat BYU. BYU is a very weird team. Yeah. So far this year, they've had some very close losses, and they've also, I don't know if you saw last week's score, they beat Michigan State. Huge win for them. Michigan State's completely fallen off, and they beat them in Michigan State 31-14. BYU combined three losses by seven points. Three points to West Virginia, three points to UCLA, and one point to Utah. So they could be sitting there 6-0 as well, but that's a huge win for that West Virginia Mountaineer team. And later the season, they've got, uh, obviously, the rest of the Big 12 to play. they got Texas Tech this week. It's going to be interesting to see how good that Texas Tech offense is. Good offense, terrible defense. I mean, that's what the Big 12 is all about, big, huge offenses and no defense. All right, the Big 10. We've got, before I even say it, Ohio State-Michigan. That's a collision course third week in november in columbus ohio i expect both teams to be undefeated at the time who do you have coming out of the east between ohio state and michigan
1: um i've got ohio state winning that game at this point i just saw a stat line for that the ohio state is favored favored by 9 points in that matchup both of them have huge offenses and great defenses if you if you have seen the past 2 weeks the kind of numbers that they've put on rutgers rutgers it's ridiculous that they're in the big 10 but i i I got to stop talking about that while I, while I'm not on a rant yet, but um Michigan and Ohio State that's going to be the game everyone is waiting for right there on Thanksgiving break and um I'm going to have Ohio State winning that game. I love I love Michigan this year. I think that they will be a great team in the years to come. They will start winning those games against Ohio State, but it's not going to happen yet. Ohio State still has too much talent. Uh, on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. They've got the best coach in the country, and well, maybe except for Nick Saban. Very arguable, though. But they've been there before, and they're going to show this Michigan team that they're not ready to start losing to them again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree with you on that. I think Ohio State's too experienced on the offensive side and too explosive. I realize Michigan just gave Rutgers a beating for a lifetime, 78 nothing. But if you look at it a couple weeks ago, Ohio State beat Rutgers 58 nothing. They took the dogs off. Obviously, you saw Michigan put their reserves in and only throw the ball three times in the second half. Rutgers is so bad. I don't understand why they came to the Big Ten. They're just light years behind every just, To
1: speak one. for that, though, everyone's giving uh, Jim Harbaugh a lot of um, uh, criticism for for the putting up 78 points on them. And his response to the, all of that criticism is, I put in my sh- second-string players. I barely threw the ball. I wasn't trying to do this. My second-string players were hungry. If, you're, if your second-string players continue to put up 14 points in the third quarter, then 21 points in the fourth quarter, that speaks to how good your second-string is, and that speaks to how bad Rutgers is too, but mainly how good your second-string is and how good this Michigan team is going to be in the years to come.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get too carried away with myself either because Michigan and Ohio State have huge games coming up as well. Ohio State this weekend goes on the road to Madison, Wisconsin, and plays the number 8 Wisconsin Badgers. We'll see how good the Ohio State offense is because Michigan only scored 14 points at home against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. If Ohio State goes there, they're double-digit favors. I would love to see this offense break out even more like they did against uh, Oklahoma and put a routing on. And then a couple weeks later, they play Nebraska, who's ranked 10 right now. Uh, later on in the season, they play Michigan State, and that Michigan State game has gone down the toilet in the last couple of weeks with losses to Indiana and BYU in back-to-back weeks. Michigan State is not the team who everyone thought they were going to be this year, and it's very, very surprising. Moving to your conference, though, the SEC. Everyone's favorite conference to either talk about or rip on. Tennessee holds the first place in the East at 2-1-1 and 5-1 overall. A and M and Alabama face off in two weeks for the leverage, the first place in the West. Who wins that game and who takes that West Conference?
1: Well, this is a good this is a good question because. A lot of people were ripping on Alabama against Arkansas, how Arkansas could come back and beat Alabama. They said the spread was too big. Alabama shut them up. They put 49 points up on the Razorbacks, and I think that the stakes are going to be even higher, and Nick Saban's going to have this Alabama team ready to play Texas A&M. Everyone knows that Alabama... Everyone, everyone's gonna love to think that Alabama's gonna lose to this Texas A&M team, and Nick Saban's not gonna let that pressure get to his squad. He's gonna—they've been there before. They're not gonna lose that game. The 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 Crimson Tide are gonna roll.
0: It's gonna be interesting to see. I like I like what I saw in Trevor Knight the other other excuse me against uh, Tennessee this past weekend. I've liked what I've seen so far from their defense, except that last fourth quarter where they. Let Tennessee back in the game. I, I don't know if I'm sold on this Alabama team though. I don't know how good that Arkansas Arkansas stayed in the game. I was very impressed with that. They didn't give up and let the score get way out of hand. Tennessee lost last week and they play Alabama this week in Tennessee. So we'll see if Alabama can stay up on their high horse going back to back weeks against Alabama or excuse me against Tennessee and te- Texas a And M. But I think Alabama slips up one of these games. I don't know which one it will be but I expect one of these games to slip up. I don't see them being perfect going into the uh, SEC championship. And then the Pac-12, definitely another conference like the Big 12 with a lot of question marks around it. There are only three teams available with one loss or undefeated. Washington right now head and shoulders in front of everybody in the Pac-12 at 6-0 and 3-0 in the conference and then Arizona State and Utah are both 5-1 and one and 2-1 and in the conference and have an outside shot, where they both play each other and both play Washington. If Washington slips up one of these games, the Pac-12 is going to look very weak to voters' eyes, in my opinion.
1: True, but they're not going to. You don't think so? No. Washington's been uh, one of my favorite teams this year since the beginning. Um, they just look great. If you look at the offensive numbers that they're putting up on Stanford – uh, two weeks ago and then this past week Oregon those those throughout the past decade Stanford and Oregon have been the best teams in the Pac-12 they've but been the you w- said it the
0: past decade right okay. now Stanford is not the same team they lost this past week and then we don't even know if Chris, Christian McCaffrey's gonna be able to play this week so they might lose three games in a row and right now Oregon and Helfrich are two and four two and four that is pathetic
1: no, I know. I, I agree. But being able to put up 70 points and only allowing, what, like 20? um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, Washington is by far the best team in the Pac-12. If they can continue to win like this, even in the Pac-12, you can bet to see this team in the college football playoffs. And you can't rule them out. If they go undefeated in this Pac-12, putting up, team, putting up scores like they have the past couple of weeks, then... They will be in the college football playoff. The
0: game to watch, though, is the last game on the schedule. They play Washington State at Washington State. Washington State has a great offense. Exactly. I would not be surprised if they are undefeated going to that game. Washington State Cougars upset the whole college football and put it on its backside. That's all we got for college football. Again, I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. We're going to head over to the baseball diamond Some crazy, crazy series going on right now in the NL and AL. A huge shout-out to the Toronto Blue Jays for sweeping the Texas Rangers. They might have got punched in uh, May, but they knocked them out in the postseason in October. Uh, O'Durr had its payback after he decided to punch uh, Joey Batista in the (laughs) face. Uh, The double play he tried to throw to Mitch Moreland, Threw Moreland off the base and allowed Josh Donaldson to race around and score and win that series three nothing, and your Cleveland Indians shocking the world sweeping the Boston
1: Red Sox. I was very surprised by that. Boston did not show up on the on the offensive side of the ball at all, that, at all. That was the one part I thought they were going to be exactly. great on too, especially with your short
0: staff starting pitching. You only had three because so many injuries. They performed so well. I was, I tipped my cap last night watching your Indians play. Looked outstanding, especially in Boston. You lose that game, you put all the pressure back on the Indians to keep winning for that one game. That's what happened with the Reds a couple years ago when they blew a 3 nothing or excuse me, a 2 0 lead against the Giants. And going to the National League, you might have the same situation happening right now with the Cubs. They are in San Fran last night, a game for the ages, folks. If you stayed up Monday night going into Tuesday, I was up close to three o'clock in the morning, man. Oh man, you had a matchup pitching wise for the ages. Probably two Hall of Famers. You had Jake Arrieta and Madison Bumgarner in the second inning. Excuse me, the third inning. Uh, Bumgarner. Uh, it was the second inning. Excuse me. Bumgarner was out there. He threw. I think it was seventeen or twenty something innings in a row of shutout baseball and postseason. Two guys on with two outs, and Jake Arrieta goes yard, giving them a 3 nothing lead. The Giants slowly made their way back. Bumgarner only lasted five innings, and then they brought in Chapman to try to get a five-out save, and that imploded on them as Connor Gillespie, the third baseman, came up with two guys on and one out. First fastball over 100 miles an hour this kid has seen in the MLB. He takes it a triple alleyway to right center field. Giants end up going up by two. Then they bring in their closer, Romo, and he gives up a two-run home run to the MVP probably in the NL. And Chris Bryant, Bryant went three for five with two RBIs last night It and the barely clearing the fence. A couple innings later in the 13th, finally, the Giants came around and scored to win an unbelievable game for them. Right now they are currently in the middle of the third inning. Giants are tied one-to-one. I have all the pressure right now on the Chicago Cubs for a couple reasons. One, they're the best team in baseball the entire year. Coming into the year, everyone knew they were the best team. They won 103 baseball games, people. They lost 58. That is an incredible step. The only team close to 100 wins this year. And you go to San Fran, you end up getting ahead on Bumgarner, who doesn't give up runs at all, end up losing the game after Chapman blew the game. If they lose tonight and they go back to Chicago in two days, that means Johnny Cueto, who is on fire, takes the mound against, uh, I believe it's Leicester, and then you have Bumgarner coming out of the pin for one or two innings. That is the most dangerous pitching staff you could see in baseball right now.
1: I agree, and the Giants have been there before. It's uh, It's an even year. It's their time to win the World Series again like they do every other year. And uh the Cubs, just like they have been in the past, the Cubs have the highest payroll they've got the best coaching yep. they've got it they've got it all, and that's what's wrong with them they they can't seem to get the job done they won did they have the best record in the world in the uh by far no last year
0: oh last year no they didn't,
1: okay, but they were still up there, they were close, and they lost to the Mets and uh i th- I could see it happening again this year they can't start losing games they lose this game tonight they lose game three or game five excuse me and um, you'll see the Giants roll that's that's the pressure of being the best team you've got so much pressure on your back
0: the Giants haven't lost a do or die game in 10 they're 10-0 the last do or die games that is an unbelievable stat Bruce Bochy the manager for the Giants is one of the best unbelievable game manager for the Giants, whether he puts in a bullpen player, or does a double switch, I would be freaking out if I was a Cub tonight. The Cubs offense has been carrying this team, and then when you only put up five runs in 13 innings last night and you get ahead on Bumgarner and, and your pitcher, Arrieta, has three of the RBIs, that is putting up a lot of alarms, a lot of sirens going off, and then your best pitcher out of the pen, Chapman, blows his save out. I mean, he's a hot as it is. As a closer in baseball, you have to have a short-term memory. But when you're in this postseason, you're pitching every night in front of thousands of fans at the ballpark and then millions at home, you know Chapman's got to be thinking what's going on right now in his head.
1: They need to regroup. The Cubs need to regroup. They don't need to pan- panic in Chicago. They only lost one game. They're still up on this series right now. If they can pull away this game, they're going to have a lot of confidence going into the, to the uh, NL championship round but they just need to get this game done. The Giants are who they need to worry about. The Giants are the team to fear. The Giants have been there before. The Giants will do it again, and no matter what their regular season uh, record is, they just wanted to make it into the playoffs, made it into the wild card, slipped right in past the Mets, um, and here's oh, their chance.
0: Absolutely. Um, if you go and watch the Giants game, they have the hashtag believe in, not believe BelieveLand, in because it's an even year. Derek. Sounds like they
1: stole it from Cleveland. I don't know.
0: Who cares? And then the pitcher you got to watch out for coming out of the pen with probably the most fire I've ever seen in my life is Derek Law. He is unbelievable. He came in two innings after Bumgarner, faced only one over the minimum, struck out two, walked one. He reminds me of Hunter Pence was when the Giants beat the Reds three games in a row a couple of years ago, how he got them all in the dugout, was firing them up. Fox Sports 1 kept showing them after every single and he was living in the dugout, getting everyone all pumped up. i got to love that. He's a young kid, young, young uh, rookie pitcher. Uh, but, yeah, hats off to the Giants. And the moving to your Indian series, uh, we saw a legend finally hanging up the cleats, maybe, and David Ortiz, what does he mean for that city and what does he mean for that team?
1: Well, David Ortiz has been the face of the Boston Red Sox since he got to that organization they've won 3 world series under him 04 07 and 11 and um everyone loves him in boston as they should i can't believe that the man is retiring this year after the year that he's had this is the number 1 hitting team in baseball led by the man himself big poppy he's hitting over 300 I wish he wouldn't leave this year. This Red Sox team is too strong. They could have two. They they have too good of a team. And coming back next year, they'll have just as good as a t- of a team. You think that there's a possibility he could stay in Boston, Bobby?
0: I do. I don't think there's a chance he walks away the way the Red Sox went out this year and how good they are this year. It's not like last year the Red Sox were dead last, looked absolutely terrible. They were falling apart. This year they were. The best team in the N, or excuse me, the AL East, which was a very, very competitive team. They got three teams in the postseason, two wild card scenarios, and they just couldn't get it done. So you got to, I mean, it's so hard to say. You know what? I'm hanging up the cleats. A lot of guys on the TV were saying, "How are you going to retire in the prime of your career?" I know he's 40 years old, but he's unbelievable. I mean, this whole season he's been batting lights out. He had. 127 RBIs, 48 doubles. He batted 315. He's 40 years old. I know all he does is DH, but that is an unbelievable stat. His slugging percentage was 620, one of the highest he's ever had his entire career. The guy just hits the ball. He's a pure hitter. He's a great leader in the clubhouse. For one more year, why don't you come back? I know your kids are still there, and you love them to death. You want to spend more time with them. But baseball being an athlete only lasts so long. You can do all that stuff after it's over.
1: I I agree. Give us one more year, Big
0: Poppy. I hope so. I hope so. So let's go flip down to the NFL before we get Chris Tanner in here. Special guest once again coming in from Tampa Bay, Florida. What were your huge takeaways from last year? Or last week, excuse me, the NFL. Some huge games went on. We had a couple guys come back for suspension that were pretty big we can talk about Brady what was your opinion on that
1: okay I've got a few games to address really quick number one is the Patriots and the Browns Brady is back he threw for 406 yards and three touchdowns for you fantasy pickers if you picked him and waited out these four weeks good job because you're gonna have some big numbers coming your way the Patriots are back I could see them easily winning the Super Bowl again this year Game two, big point. The Eagles have been knocked down to where they should be. Carson Wentz is off of his high horse a little bit. They only lost by one point, but they lost to the Lions. I think the Eagles will settle down after this. They're not going to be the amazing team that uh, their fans uh, wanted them to be after Carson Wentz exploded at at the beginning of this year. They're still going to be a winning squad, not going to be the team that everyone expected after three games.
0: Yeah, I'm agree with you on that. I'm also going to look at the Monday night game that I was very, very surprised. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were one and three and headed up to Carolina to play the Cam Newton list Carolina Panthers. They had Derek Anderson, who performed very well against your Atlanta Falcons defense just a week ago in that fourth quarter, almost brought them back from the dead. Derek Anderson cost them the game late there in the fourth quarter. They were driving. In the red zone, on a third down, he ended up tossing his ball up, which was intercepted by the Buccaneers. And I was just like, why would you throw that ball? You could set up your field goal kicker for a win. On the other side, the Buccaneers, Robert Aguayo, ended up missing two kicks in the same game and had a chance to win the game with no time left, ended up kicking it straight through, which I was happy for the kid. He's a Florida State boy through and through, and, uh, his brother now is kicking out Florida State, and up winning them the game. Carolina is one and four. And it they're seems- still
1: sitting at thirteenth in the power rankings. You really-
0: no, it's BS. Absolutely. I, I agree. How do agree. you how do you have that? My opinion on the Panthers is last year they finished the regular season fifteen and one. They had one loss. Through week five, they have one win. And Cam Newton is a question mark every week now with his head injury.
1: And that's just going to keep coming. Once you get injuries like this, this is going to be a curse for the rest of his career.
0: Look at that division. Atlanta's pulling away with it, and they're not slowing down. I don't see them. I know last year they slowed down around this time. They finally hit the wall and went down because their defense weakened up. But I think Matt Ryan's offense is too powerful this year for them. And I think Tampa Bay obviously is making their way back. This is the first win in Carolina in years And also, you have Drew Brees and the Saints who can go off any week against you. And if you're not ready, they'll beat you down uh, if you go to uh, New Orleans.
1: Let's talk about that Falcons-Broncos game a little bit. Uh, Did you watch that game? Yes, absolutely. Uh, What do you think about Paxton Paxton Lynch's performance in that game?
0: I was very, very disappointed in Paxton Lynch. I thought his play at Memphis last year separated himself tremendously from – Simeon, who came from Northwestern. I thought Pax Lynch is a prototypical NFL quarterback. How big he is? He's like six foot seven. Uh Did not perform well. He just got – that defense was all over him. He threw 23 of 35 for 223 yards, excuse me, one touchdown and interception. His, he got sacked six times. His QBR was 11. That is pitiful. He didn't get any help from the run game as well. C.J. Anderson only had 11 carries for 41 yards. I mean, it was, and then he also, uh, Paxton Lynch had two fumbles. Uh, luckily, they recovered them all, but that's not what you want to see from your quarterback replacing uh, Simeon.
1: The man's coming out, starting quarterback as a rookie for the Super Bowl defending champions, the Denver Broncos. Definitely had some butterflies in his they stomach. We're
0: home, though. you got to step up when your number's call. I'm like not that. giving him
1: any excuses. I'm just pointing some stuff out. On the other side of the ball, this Atlanta team, even if their defense slows down, look at their three offensive playmakers here. Well, four. Okay, so we've got we've got Matt Ryan and we and uh, of course uh, Julio Jones, and then as the great quarterback wide receiver duo that can put up big points against any defense, and uh, then rushing the ball if your passing game isn't working. You've got Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Are you serious? This Atlanta offense is is crazy good, and I, I don't see them slowing down this year either, even though I had them as not a great team at the beginning of the year.
0: No, I'm going to look at it. Tevin Coleman, total yards, he had 31 rushing yards, 132 receiving yards. He had 163 yards total, one touchdown. Freeman, the main rusher, with 23 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown, and then receiving, he had three catches for 35 yards. He had 123 yards and a touchdown. And then Julio Jones can go off whenever you need him to. And then Mohamed Sanu can step up whenever you need him to. I'm looking at your defense, though. Hats off to Vic Beasley. Huge defender coming from Clemson. Had three and a half sacks on that great offensive line, a great offense that Denver has. Very impressed with Vic Beasley and your whole Atlanta Falcons team right now, sitting at 4-1. and one. They're 3-0 and oh on the road
1: this year. That's right. I think it's going to be a big year for the Atlantic Falcons. Going on, moving on to the Cowboys against the Bengals. The Cowboys beat the Bengals twenty-eight to fourteen with that with Dak Prescott. Bengals didn't score any points until the fourth quarter. It was twenty-eight to zero for the majority of that game. What is your takeaway from this game?
0: I don't think the Bengals were ready at all for Dak Prescott. Their video men, the video guys that watch all the film, were saying that Dak has not thrown a poorly thrown ball this entire year. I don't know what their definition of that is. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. But the problem I have with the offense that Dallas has, and everyone's raving about how good Dak is, Tom Brady has played one week. Dak Prescott has played every week so far for the Cowboys. Brady's behind Dak Prescott by one touchdown and just one week of play. That also has some question marks around it. This week, moving forward, we'll see how good Dallas is. Um, I they play they go to Green Bay. Green Bay is right now three and one. They just came off Sunday night, beating the Odo Beckham Jr. craziness and the New York <laughs> Giants. But if the Cowboys win this game and improve to five and one, then maybe I can start believing in them. But everyone's talking about when Romo comes back, they're still going to put him over. That's back. right.
1: Jerry Jones um, came just, just came out this week uh, talking to Colin Cowherd. He said that they're going to start Tony Romo. And I don't know how great of a idea that is, but they're under the impression that the, offense, the Cowboys offense right now with Dak Prescott is just a dump pass sort of offense. They're relying a lot on Ezekiel Elliott right now to get the job done. And – My idea on this is if if you're putting up 28 points in the first three quarters against a great Bengals defense, what it has been in the past, why change things up? Why do anything else? Why go back to the mediocre team that you've been in the past few months?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, You want to move forward with your offense, and I think that Dak could be the guy to lead you forward. Obviously, we have a couple weeks before Romo is even considered to be healthy. Uh, the guy's a walking cripple in a couple years, I think. I think he's going to su- su- he sue the NFL big time. <laughs> but uh, this week there's some big games. Dallas is one of them. I, I think your Falcons going on the road to Seattle is going to be a big one. We'll talk more with that with Chris and the spreads. And then the game I got is the Bengals going to New England. Are the Bengals going to be 2-4 and four after six weeks or can they surprise everyone, beat Tom Brady, and improve to 3-3? Three and three, And you can start fresh from there.
1: We will see. It's going to be really hard for the Bengals to beat New England. New England is rolling. Somehow they only lost one game um, in to- when Tom Brady was gone. But um, New England's going to keep rolling, and Tom Brady's going to add a new boost to this team that just catapults them into the playoffs and through the playoffs, possibly to the Super Bowl.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to bring on Chris real quick, coming in from Tampa Bay, Florida. Welcome back to the J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. We're here with Chris coming in from Tampa Bay, Florida once again. Thank you, Chris, for coming back. Thank you. Good to to be back, Bobby. Absolutely. Some crazy football last week in college. Uh, This week moving forward, we're finally starting to see the top 25, the top 10 play out we have a huge matchup between ohio state and wisconsin ohio state's traveling up to wisconsin that's two versus eight ohio state is favored by 10 points on the dot is that pretty crazy to say against a great wisconsin defense Uh,
2: i i would i would say so bobby um an ohio state team that really really i mean if you look at the the big 10 schedule prior to this game really nothing impressive J.T. Barrett uh, been put on the Heisman candidate uh, watch list. Uh, he'll get a test this weekend against a strong Wisconsin defense. I mean, Wisconsin shows what they can do against the SEC team in LSU. Unfortunately, Les Miles is, is gone now at LSU, and LSU is not the LSU they have. been. But I think uh, the 10 points for um, Ohio State on the road Saturday night against the Badgers, it's going to
1: be tough. I'd have to lean right towards the Wisconsin Badgers and take the 10 and and I
0: think they'll keep this one close with Ohio State, if not pulling off up the upset. Yeah, they, they played Michigan very tough two weeks ago in Michigan, only losing that game by 7, 14-7 was the final score. Their defense, the real deal, we'll figure out how good they are this week in uh, Madison at night. Another game I'm looking out for, NC State last week beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame obviously falling off the map in the college football world. NC State is 4-1, going to Clemson, who's 6-0, ranked third in the nation. Uh, Deshaun Watson right back in that Heisman figure. Clemson's favored by 18 points. Is that crazy or what?
2: Well, let's go back to the NC State game last week against Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame's got a lot of issues um, on both sides of the ball. Deshaun Kaiser. um, Pretty much, to me, it's just your average quarterback. Not your Notre Dame quarterback that we're used to seeing throughout the past couple of years of the Notre Dame team. Brian Kelly, on, on the other hand, apparently I heard through sources that he went on a rampage after the game, and they had to separate him and coaches and players and all and everything. Um, Notre Dame pretty much is, is a borderline team, of not a team that you really can, can throw the numbers at against. Uh, plus, the weather was just so bad at Carter-Finley Stadium last uh, Saturday afternoon. Just horrible. it was part of the remnants of Hurricane Matthew that, that actually slid by us, and I'm going to say slid by us, because all it did was we got some wind that blew about 40, 45 mile, miles per hour. No rain at all, thank God, here. Cause we, we trust you, we can't have rain here like that. Yeah, but 18 points, to coming off at the win against Boston College. You throw that game completely out. I can see maybe NC State staying with it for the first half and then Deshaun Watson and company just blowing this open in the second half. And I can see them comfortable 24 to 30-point victory over NC State.
0: All right, now going back to the Big Ten. At 330, the number 10-ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers go on the road and face the Indiana Hoosiers, who are 3-2, and coming off a loss at Ohio State by 21 points. That Indiana team... Same team two weeks before beat Michigan State at home for their homecoming. Nebraska, who was finally back in the top ten, ranked five and zero, is only favored by three and a half. I think Indiana is out of horses, and I'm very surprised that spreads only at three and a half for Nebraska.
2: Well, do you know that line opened up at? No. It opened up as Nebraska minus six and a half, down to three and a half. That is. The boys out in the desert, uh, they've to set a number right to uh, where they can get both sides of the you know, money on each side here. And they can just collect the big. Uh, line up and up, six and a half down to three and a half. There's some sharp money, some um, guys that know what they're doing out there coming in on the Indiana team. I'm not too impressed with neither team here. Uh, if, if somebody forces me to go to one that bet this game, I'm going to take the dog at home against the Nebraska team, where last week you see Indiana played with Ohio State for uh, pretty much throughout the game there. Uh, Ohio State was a big favorite, and uh, Indiana came and covered it the spread. And you mentioned Michigan State. You know, there's something wrong in East Lansing. You just got beat by BYU again yeah. uh, at home. You know, this Mark D'Antonio has got some issues there in uh, Michigan State. There's not the whole Michigan State team where you to seeing They've struggled at home. They're having problems at home. I, I don't know why. I, I mean, I'm We can't figure out why. Yeah. And after see Indiana team, you know, they fed off of the, the uh, Michigan State win, hung in with Ohio State. They the three and a half. Probably a safe bet here. But I'm going for like a whole lot of money on, on uh, that game at all.
0: Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And then one more game for college before you could go out on your limb and say a game that you have to keep an eye out for. But Alabama Crimson Tide is still ranked number one after beating the Arkansas Razorbacks last week. They're 6-0, facing off against the number nine Tennessee Volunteers. They did not move since last week. Tennessee's luck finally ran out. Uh, very, very great comeback. They forced overtime and then ended up blowing it in the second overtime. Alabama's on the road and favored by 12.5 points. Do you see an upset this week or no? Well, it
2: on how many quarters you're going to play here. Are they going to play, you know, play three-and-a-half quarters? They play three-and-a-half quarters, you know. <laughs> the Alabama's got a shot. Tennessee on the overhead. You know, I don't know how many times they can go to the well and come back and keep coming back and coming back and coming back. I mean, I'm going to watch the game myself. I, I had a small play when we go over in that uh, Tennessee Texas uh, A&M game. Um, you can only go to the well one too many times. The Nick Saban team, you're not going to go to the well too many times uh, against them. Alabama and overall, I, I I think on the show last week I picked Arkansas. I, I thought sure Arkansas would put up a fight, put up a game in Alabama. Well, I guess what? I was wrong. That's why we all get up in the morning every morning and have a job to do. That's right. Tennessee staying within Alabama here. Maybe in the first half, for Alabama with their their run game and, all, and the defense is just really really strong. I can see Alabama rolling this one up there in Knoxville. Probably by about 17 to
0: 21 points. Yeah, I would not be surprised that, and I also would not be surprised if Tennessee finally plays their full four-quarter length game. and surprises a lot of people after last week's showing in overtime. Now, if you could pick one game to keep an eye out in college football, what would it be and why? Uh, I would have lost in Texas. Texas
2: and Iowa State. Uh, Texas come off that game against uh, Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry uh, last week. You know, Texas defense, if you, if you look at the numbers of defense, they're bad. I mean, and I mean, bad. I think mean, you know, and I and your partner there can probably put up a better defense than Texas against teams. Uh, they always play close with Oklahoma. Uh, pretty much, I think they're flat. I think they're, they're flat. And Charlie Strong's job is really, really in jeopardy in Austin, Texas. And they only up up at 14 against Iowa State Cyclones, dropped down to 13. Uh, Iowa State gave Oklahoma State everything they could handle. Last week uh, in Stillwater, and uh, Iowa State has played some really really tight ball games um, over the last couple weeks. I would take Iowa State in the points uh, down to thirteen right now. As I'm checking right now, it's down to thirteen, down you know, to fourteen. Some of the money came in on the Iowa State immediately, so I could see pretty much Iowa State staying within this number, or actually maybe even beating them outright.
0: Yeah, Iowa State right now is 1-5 and five on the season. Their only one is against San Jose State. Like you said, though, they lost the last two games against Baylor by three points and then at Oklahoma State by seven. Those are two of the top-notch teams in the Big 12. I don't know how good the Big 12 is, but if Texas loses this game, I do expect Charlie Strong to finally let the ties loose and get cut from coaching at Texas. Moving forward, well, go ahead, what were you going to say? I was gonna say, it, 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 you, you know, Charlie
2: Strong when he came into to Texas, I don't think he had a chance from the start. Um, the way the alarms and the boosters are and everything, and and uh, Kirk Hercule, ESPN, who I admire and I listen to when he talks, I really really listen. And he said the same thing. He said, "I don't think Texas is ever giving Charlie Strong a chance here. Uh, he was doomed from the start. Uh, set up for failure from the start." And it pretty much has happened and fell into their hands. Chelsea gets fired this week, I don't know. Maybe the year, probably. Will he get another job somewhere else? Absolutely. There's there's no doubt in my mind he will. I mean he built, built up that Louisville program and then, you know the excursions get hot. They turn and all of a sudden all these other schools start looking oh well, he did this and this program, he did this and this and program. So it all balances out even out. And I'm gonna tell you one thing right now. Brian Kelly is probably out in another name. Probably strong
0: another name. Hmm. That's something to think about. That's what I mean, Jackson and I were saying the exact same thing earlier in the show. I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Herman leaves and jumps ships from Houston to Texas after this year. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly went out west and took over maybe a USC or Oregon job where there's nobody talking about the West Coast teams right now because the Pac twelve has been so irrelevant for the past couple of years takes over a job there. I mean, you could be in Eugene, Oregon, where his brother was coaching, and you have Phil Knight unloading $100 million into your program. You're going to have kids going to come out there, and you're going to get some good athletes.
2: Well, it also, says the he Tom Herman of issue. Uh, from what I understand, and us being close to the SEC at Reject, he's going to probably get his job maybe at LSU. You know, Ed Ogeron, we all remember what happened with Lane Kiffin and all in uh, USC, and and O'Donnell did a great job of USC when uh, they got rid of him as he got off the airplane, which I, I still laugh about that. It's hilarious. Uh, and and O'Donnell does a great job for this USC team. I think they
0: pull off an upset against, I think it was Stanford that year. Yeah. I think it was Stanford.
1: Then they played a great bowl game.
2: And next year, you know, the next morning, it's like, where's that O'Donnell? They got rid of him. Are you serious? And I, I, I couldn't believe it. So. If, which he's probably not going to say LSU, but Ed Ogeron and, and people that are listening out there. He needs—he's a great coach, and kids play for him. Give this guy a chance to work, Which I think he should have stayed at USC. You bring in the other this uh, coach now, Healy, Chad Healy, and I'm not impressed with USC at all. USC does not have the talent that they have had in the past years, and they cannot—they barely barely keep up with other teams. I mean, you know, just Ed Ogeron—he needs. You do know, that St. LSU, Tom, everybody over there. Maybe Arizona goes to Houston. You know, they switch there. But who knows? It's just, they all start talking about getting rid of coaches here in the middle of the season. Well, hey, you know, BCS standings ain't going to
0: come out yet. Yeah. And
2: in the shows that it's like they're going to come out here because Michigan laid 78 on Rutgers. And from what I understand, Jim Delaney's kicking Rutgers out of the Big Ten.
0: Really? It's just a- does Rutgers belong in the Big Ten? No. No. Does my Maryland belong in the Big Ten? No. I mean, the only reason why uh, they brought those teams in, though, is for a recruiting basis and get those fans out on the East Coast, like New York, and get a bigger viewer audience for a Big Ten network. Okay,
2: but just, you're, I mean, you're a lot younger than me, as we we all know that. But growing up in the ACC territory back home in Maryland, it was Maryland Duke. and I'm talking. Basketball. Now, I'm gonna go Maryland, Duke. Yeah, Maryland, North Carolina, Maryland, Virginia. That was a great crowd drawing game. All I mean, Gary Williams and Coach Chesky. it's just unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, it Bobby comes down basically to the dollars, the almighty dollars with this is. Yeah. And Big Ten, Jim Delaney. I, I think he's an idiot. I do. I really think he's an idiot. Uh, if you listen to him talk um, about the Big Ten. He really doesn't know what he's doing out there. They've had him in there for so many years that basically the game's passed him by. Yeah. So, in the overall sense, um, you know, Rutgers, Maryland, there's those no teams he brought in the Big Ten. They don't belong there. Rutgers needs to stay where they work. You remember, Rutgers had a good team several years ago under Greg uh,
0: Sherwood. Yeah, they had Ray Rice running the ball with them. They were a dominant offense. So, but
2: that's what happens every night. That's just the land with college football and this whole – Thing that goes on with these coaches and firing this and doing that, and not giving a chance when you get there. It's just you, get, you Look, we've been sitting here talking until midnight tonight with me
0: the on these coaches in college. Oh well, yeah, there's just, just, just so many job opportunities. Let's move forward here to the NFL, though. I know you hate the New England Patriots, but man, did they look good against the uh, winless Cleveland Browns last week? Tom Brady looked midseason form for throwing for 406 yards, hitting his Martellus Bennett for three touchdowns. They play the Bengals this week in Foxborough. The Bengals are struggling big time. Two and three. New England's favored by eight and a half points. That's plus that's a one plus touchdown there. Are you surprised with that or no? No, not at
2: all. Um Cincinnati played a great on Thursday night, uh couple weeks ago against the Miami Dolphins. As you can see, the Miami Dolphins is an issue down there, too. I'll get into that because we'll be here another hour. Um Cincinnati went into Dallas uh and, yes, that's my Dallas Cowboys, a diehard Cowboys fan. And do me a favor, Jerry Jones, if you're listening, leave Dak Prescott in there. We don't need Tony Romo. Just leave it. Let Tony sit on the bench. you don't sit on the bench. New England, I mean, Tom Brady, it's what you expected. I mean, Cleveland Browns, yeah, there's another team, maybe a little bit different. But it's all we expected. And he put on the show, and he performed, and he did what he had to do. Back home now, it's going to get worse. I, I can see that rolling Cincinnati. again. just Cincinnati just doesn't have anything to stop feeling the thing but yeah, you can't stop Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and you know, what do you think you're going to do
0: with Tom Brady? No, so, I'm agreeing there with
2: you. can keep going to the bank and punching tickets with them.
0: Yeah, no, I'm very impressed with what Dak Prescott and the uh, Cowboys offense did against that Bengals defense. The video uh, watchers for the Bengals said that Dak Prescott has not thrown a single bad pass this entire year. He's going to need to look very, very sharp this week as they go up to Green Bay I mean, this is some old-school NFL rivalry here, two of the biggest names in the NFL. Uh, the Packers are sitting at 3-1. and one. The Packers are favored at home by only four points. That surprises me a little bit when you have Aaron Rodgers, an unbelievable quarterback, a uh, MVP at one point in his career. He also has a ring against a rookie-stouted offense without Des Bryant going all the way up to Green Bay. Who do you have in this game?
2: Uh, you well, know you're not going to make me talk about the Dallas Cowboys here. So, um, you know, a couple of years ago when Dallas played the championship in the seed uh, division game up there, there's Brian. He caught that ball. Okay. That's almost we'll like he caught that ball. Okay. I don't These refs say he caught the ball. Oh, all know he caught the ball. Then they changed the rule the next year. Why do you think they changed the rule the next year? They knew messed up at all. Yep. Eric Bridges for Sunday night didn't impress me. And you're playing against a beat up giant defense. I mean, you had JPP and the, the uh, other defense have running. I wasn't impressed by the Green Bay performance. Yeah, you know, the atmosphere for Dak Prescott going up in the Green Bay there. Four-point, I was surprised that his line came out. You know, I'm going to be a homer-domer, and I'm going to say Dak Prescott goes up in there and they beat the Green Bay Packers. And then it's really going to be problems for Jerry then because a couple weeks away, Tony's supposed to be back. What do you do now if Dak Prescott goes in the Green Bay and beats the Packers?
0: I don't understand how you are they're even questioning whether Dak Prescott's going to play or not play if Romo comes back. Dak has been lights out a great quarterback for that offense, and if he wins against this Green Bay team who was a couple wins away from the Super Bowl last year, how are you going to even say Romo's in the same conversation when he's on the sideline wearing scrubs? Dak's been playing for since week one and has been looking great. It blows my mind that a owner – like Jerry Jones could come out and say that, you don't see any other owner coming out and saying, you know what, this guy's going to start this week. He's not calling any plays. Why is he even coming out and saying that it's just giving more drama to the Cowboys that they don't need right now?
2: Well, here's the thing with, with Jerry, and it's been the, the thing with Jerry, and yet Jerry's got a lot of
1: money. he got more money than you and I. A hundred other people have never seen in our lifetime.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, he, the one, I mean, Barry Switzer, there. Jimmy Johnson was there, Bill Parcells there. They're not there no more for a reason. Greg, Switzerland, and Jimmy Johnson won the Super Bowl there, and they got out of there. Jerry Jones is an owner. He needs to sit upstairs in that office and sign checks and do what general matter, uh, owners do. You don't see Bill, and I hate to bring this up, you don't see Bob Kraft telling Bill Belichick what to do, and who's going to start and who's going to do this. You don't see a lot of other, other owners in the NFL doing it. This is Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones likes the limelight, and he likes the public picture. Give me a favor, Jerry. Tony Romo is a scratch golfer. Tony Romo qualified for the U.S. Open several times and didn't get the sexual qualifying. He's not playing golf no more. And I play golf three, four times a week. My back bother me? No. Does he have back issues? Yes. If you quit playing golf, you got back issues for not playing golf, you should have back issues and you can't play football. That's the thing. Golf, you're just standing on top of a club swinging. It's, you know, you play. You give up golf, there's back issues. You, you need to give up football, too. You got plenty of money. You got a beautiful wife. Sit back relax. Take your $120 million and say, hey, I'm good for the rest
0: of my life. You don't need to play football with a back mom. That's that, the way it is. That's how it should be, and you're correct 100%, but that is all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you so much again for coming all the way in, Chris, from Tampa Bay, Florida. Glad the Hurricane Matthew missed you guys, and uh, And luckily there was no lightning strikes like crazy the last couple weeks you guys had with the Tampa Bay delays. But thank you. Hopefully next week you can join us once again. This is the J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. Same time next week, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, bud.